We love learning here at Two Girls, One Ghost. We do it every single week in our episodes. We learn new things. And that's why we love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Heck yeah. And you can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. So whether you're returning to a long-time passion project, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. I love learning probably more now than I ever have ever in my life just because I want to just be informed and also have new skills. I don't know what it is. I'm crazy. I'm weird. But Skillshare lets me do it. And I've been doing marketing. I did a marketing class the other day, which actually I think helped me learn a lot about how to grow our podcast and then finance because girls got to keep her finances together. You know, you know what I mean? So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering two girls, one ghost listeners, two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com forward slash T-G-O-G. Again, go to Skillshare.com forward slash T-G-O-G to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com forward slash T-G-O-G. Welcome to our podcast, our live show in Nashville. Yeah, two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. I knew you wanted to whisper, so I had to set you up. Yeah, I had. A, I tried. I tried to get you to say <laughs> it first. <laughs> um, we are so excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Nashville is so nice to the point where yesterday we were at lunch and I went to go to the bathroom and I walked in on someone because they didn't lock the door and they were like, "Oh, thank you, sweetie." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Sabrina came back so confused, and she was like, I don't know what I did wrong. Why would she but she me? me. <laughs> it was very strange. But uh, you guys, everyone here is so, so kind, and we've gotten the real nice Nashville treatment. And thanks for great. coming out on a Sunday. Yeah. And a holiday Sunday for the dads. Uh, yes, Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know today was Father's Day, if you have a father and you haven't called him, you're really fucked up. Yeah, happy Father's Day. But it's an early show, so you still have time before his 8 p.m. bedtime. Right. Call right. him after. Uh, what makes a dad joke become a dad joke? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> That's good. Uh, when it becomes apparent. <laughs> I just love this because I was like, Sabrina, did you prepare some dad jokes? And she goes, yeah. And I said, do you want me to say something to set you up? And she goes, no, I've got it. And I had no idea that this was happening right now. Well, I was really hoping you'd be standing next to me. You're so far away when I was going to do the like, oh, what's that on your shirt? And then like, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) But you're too far away. Do you have other ones prepared? Yeah, but I'm going to like make them natural. It's just going to be random. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, did I ever tell you about my story about uh, jump roping? No. Really? No. A jump Uh, roping story? Never mind. I'll skip it. (laughs) You totally tricked me. (laughs) 
Oh, I can keep going all night. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to talk about ghosts tonight. We're just going to tell dad jokes. I'm so disappointed in myself. (laughs) I literally really fell into that. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Well, I try to do it naturally. Um, I won't talk too much about my dad because my mom is here. She is the one who laughed very, very loudly at that joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've had a really great weekend. Yeah, we yeah. went out last night. We rode a bull. Oh, we went bull riding. And we went bull riding <laughs> because in there was something inside of me that was like, you're going to be so good at bull riding. <laughs> and I truly convinced myself that I was going to be so great. And someone was asking me, they're like, how long do you think you're going to last? And I was like, well, I think the operator will probably get bored around two minutes and let me off. <laughs> and I was so, so confident. And then we go and we ride the bull. And I am horrible. <laughs> I lasted maybe four seconds. No, you lasted longer than that. Well, and then I felt uncomfortable and self-conscious after because apparently I ride a bull in a sexual way. <laughs> I think it's hard not to, though. You you had good technique. You were kind of like spider monkey on it. And you lasted way longer than me. We Before we went on, there was this guy. He like grabbed us and was like, are you going to ride? And we're like, yeah. And he goes, let me tell you how. And he yeah. gave us like a whole lesson about how you're supposed to hold, just in case you guys probably all want to know, uh, you're supposed to hold with your non-dominant hand and you're supposed to hold like underneath the strap rather than on top. And then you're supposed to put your yeah. dominant hand up and like over the strap to like for balance. Which was, he screwed me up and I think it's his fault that I'm so bad <laughs> at bull riding. <laughs> Definitely his fault. For, that's for people who like don't have really short arms. Like, have you ever measured your wingspan? Your wingspan, if you measure from your middle finger to middle finger, oh. it's supposed to be the same length as your body. And so, like, basketball players, they'll have a longer wingspan. And mine is, like, two inches shorter than it's supposed to be. So I've got, like, tiny little arms. So that's why I right. think it screwed me up. And yeah, that's why I'm That's why you riding. weren't, yeah. But Although you did talk, back. you did talk a big game. I talked such a What'd big game. What did you say? What was, it was really funny. What did you say? I said, this bull's going to be my bitch lover. <laughs> And then apparently I had sex with it. So, <laughs> so the bull made you its bitch lover. <laughs> Marissa was standing. She was like videotaping, standing, holding our purses. And she said that the guy, there's an older man next to her. And he goes, oh, 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 look at how she's doing that. <laughs> I think you did great. Thank you. I enjoyed watching you. Thanks. The whole time you were going, though, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I'm going to go after her, and I'm going to be so bad. You were so much better than me, which is fine. We were, yeah. And then we, like, really <laughs> prepared ourselves to sing karaoke, too. But we forgot we were in Nashville, which is where people who sing karaoke are, like, actually good at singing. Right. And so we went, and we lost all of our confidence and did not sing. Well, also, we put our names in. We put like wrote the songs that we were going to sing, and we also, in our Uber from the one bar we went to to the next one, we just all picked our karaoke songs and blasted it. And our our Uber driver was a, you know. We was, only needed was an a, audience of one because he was so, he was such a big fan of He was very singing. supportive. And he's so like, supportive. you guys are great. You guys are going to do great. Yeah. We um, put our names in at the bar. Where did we go? What was it called? Wild Beaver. Is that right? Cool. Uh, and we put our names in and then they kept like putting, like people would go up and like it'd be like a bad person. And then the guy who worked there would keep going up and just singing, and we're like, we're never going to go. Granted, no. he was very good. He was so good. But karaoke isn't supposed to be for good people. It's supposed to be for the average, normal, non 
famous yeah. ever going to be famous singer. Okay, wait, I have a question because yeah. you just brought up our Uber driver, so it's making me wonder about you <gasps> oh, texting yeah. me and you're like my Uber driver. Oh my gosh! I've got okay, so we went to lunch today, and then uh, my mom's staying in the city, so we went to her hotel, and then I got an Uber back to my hotel, and my Uber driver has the craziest stories and a lot of them have to do with driving and so she's telling me these stories while driving and I'm like oh my god how far are we how far are we from the hotel okay so I'll tell you a few she was saying that when her son was three years old they were driving on the freeway they were going like 60 miles per hour and all of a sudden the car goes into neutral by itself and her three-year-old son in the back seat goes I'm the devil (laughs) yeah and she like puts the car back into drive and it goes back into neutral. And he goes, I'm not the devil, but I am a demon. Oh my God. And I'm like sitting in the car. I was like, please don't go in neutral. Please was don't the- go in neutral. Like, <laughs> what? Do you think that that was that the same car that you were in? I hope not. Oh my God. And then she said that she was in Los Angeles driving on the 405, which for those of you who know, it's like the worst freeway in LA. It's constantly full of traffic. Mm-hmm. And she found the rare time where it was no traffic. She's driving 60 miles per hour, 70 miles per hour, and there's a truck with plywood in front of her. And we've all seen Final Destination. Mm-hmm. You move over when there is a truck with plywood in front of you. But she did not. And she, right in front of her, the plywood comes flying off oh the truck, hits her car, bounces off of it. She didn't have a single dent. What? I was like, how did you survive that? Something was protecting her. Well, and this is what she was saying. She's like, my family is cursed. And like, she's like, everyone I've ever married dies, which is, it's really sad. I know. (laughs) She should put that like a warning. People should have to sign a contract. Yeah. Before they go on a date. Before they get married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she said that like her brother fell asleep one night when he was drunk after making mac and cheese. And left the uh, stove on, and his, the entire house burnt down, aside from the room he was in. And yeah, and he was fine. And then when the mom was like trying to rebuild the house, the fridge was still okay, and she gave the fridge to her daughter. And a week later, her daughter's house burnt down because the fridge sparked. Uh, yeah, like she's like, we're so cursed. Every single person in my family has had like horrible things happen to them. It's weird because it's cursed, but like they're not being harmed. It's just right. horrible things are happening around them, but some something is counteracting the curse. There's a guardian. And I was trying wow. to ask her, and she was like, I'm so sick and tired of it. And so I told crying? her about the podcast, and I was like, <laughs> join our Facebook group and ask questions. Like, someone can help you. <laughs> so uh, we got a new fan, <laughs> the support group. Yeah. Um, but it was scary. Speaking of scary, we went to the Bell Witch Cave. Yeah. Has anyone gone? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> um, sorry if you don't know our podcast and you're just here because that's, that is a good dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really, it was interesting. It's, it wasn't as scary as we thought it was going to be. The scary part was that there are, 
when you go into the cave and they don't tell you until you're at the bottom of the cave that you're like 60 feet underground, which is just terrifying in and of itself. <laughs> but as you're going through, the cave gets narrower and narrower until you like come into these chambers and they're like, oh, don't be careful. Like don't touch the walls because there are spiders and there are massive spiders. So we're literally massive. walking through like this like the tiniest that we can be we're holding I was our like, hair by Corinne's butt like let's just go. yeah <laughs> I climbed on top of the woman in front of me I feel so bad <laughs> we were like go 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 because Marissa screamed at me she goes your elbow and I just <laughs> leapt on top of her and suddenly she was giving me a piggyback ride and I was like I'm so sorry and she goes I'm scared of spiders and I was like me too <laughs> That's why I'm climbing on you. And there was a kid, like a four-year-old. We're like acting like terrified. And there's a four-year-old behind us who starts crying. And I was like, oh, I wish I was four because I would be crying right now too. Okay. But also there was the most (laughs) badass little kid that also really frightened us. Oh my God. So at the Bell Witch, if you go, or at the Bell Witch Cave, if you go into their gift shop, they sell the horrifyingly scary looking dolls and you can get them in there. They have like their faces painted and they look like, yeah. And so this child comes in and it, it, so the four year old was like want her sibling and clearly didn't want to go. She kept saying, I'm scared. Bring me out. But then this child was the reason that the family was there. She had her Scooby Doo Crocs on Mm -hmm. and she bought a haunted doll and then brought it into the cave. We were like, little woman, you're going to leave with the bell witch inside of your doll. Mm -hmm. She was like living though. We were like, Oh my God, that's so cool. And she was maybe six years old. Oh yeah. And her whole family like clearly was there because she was into it and she was like sitting in the front like, yeah, 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 yeah. I asked her what she named her doll and she like gave it three different names. Like she's like possessed by three different spirits. Yeah. She's like, it's Madame (laughs) Mushkali. I made that up. I totally made that up. It just came out. I don't know what that is. But then she was like, or it's. And then she was like, but I also call her. And I was like, didn't you just get this thing? Like, you're very familiar with who she is. Yeah, it was scary. But they also told us that one of their dolls is now, I have to figure out where, but it's in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. In one of the haunted museums because it did get possessed by some spirit. Yeah. So now they have it like in a, in a glass cabinet or something yeah Yeah, cabinet case words (laughs) but yeah so we were we were there in the like it's a family run cave like they live on the 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 land land, yeah and then they operate the cave and so it's like this whole family and like the the granddaughter was like the daughter checked us out and then the granddaughter walked us down and then the grandmother like gave us the tour it was so cool it was really cool but when we got there the daughter said ask my mom because we we were like do you have any ghost stories and she goes i have so many stories that i would write a whole book without even being able to put in punctuation because so much has happened yeah she goes but i don't have time for that so go ask my mom what happened to her neck and we're like this is weird yeah so we wait until the end of the tour and then we go up and we ask her what happened to her neck and then she goes like this and she has scratch marks down her neck like three scratch marks on the side of her yeah like really raw like it like something really clawed her and she said that she had a dream that night the night before that we went we went so friday night she had a dream that she was going to wake up her granddaughter. And when she touched her granddaughter, her granddaughter turned around and it wasn't her granddaughter. It was something else that started grabbing at her neck. And, and she's like, ah, like trying to get yeah, away. And then I she know. wakes up in a panic and she's like, oh my God, that was so scary. And then she's like, wait, but my like neck, like my face kind of hurts. And, and it's like 3 a.m. Yeah. She said it was like between 2 and 3 a.m. And she ended up having to go ice her neck because she got it was like, burning. It was she like said. really clawed. Yeah. And then I asked the daughter, so like, I guess her granddaughter, granddaughter. I was like, have you had any experiences? And she goes, oh yeah, 
I wake up with shadows over me all the time. And I know it's not my brother because he'd be an idiot to do that. <laughs> so, but she was so like casual 12. about it. Yeah. 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 So the whole family's pretty damn haunted. That land. That land is haunted. Yeah. If you haven't been, it's really cool. And there's a lot of history on that land. And it's, it's super cool. cool. And the or, caves are very beautiful. Or just listen to our episode seven where Corinne covered it beautifully. Oh my gosh. Wait. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> We were on our way to driving down to, uh, or up, I don't know where we are, to Bell Witch Caves. We decided to re-listen to that episode to be like, okay, what do we do? We know we cannot take anything out of there. Like, people send them back because it's dangerous and, like, the Bell Witch follows mm-hmm. them home and, like, curses them. So we're like, okay, we have to make sure to check our shoes, everything. But, like, let's listen just so we, like, remember everything. And... Corinne didn't like listening to her voice at regular speed. I so, always listen at one and a half because I just yeah. don't like listening. Like people don't like listening back. So I was like, let's do one and a half. And then Marissa goes, but this doesn't sound like you. Yeah. Like we can't do this. I can't focus. So I was like, let's compromise. Let's we do half speed. <laughs> it was the it, longest episode. We, but we were peeing our pants I like, because it makes you sound tears like dripping down my face wasted it was like this was also an episode where corinne was recording when she was like at home home and so like her mom was scaring us as she always did in the beginning and like should we reenact mom (laughs) you can't scare me when i'm doing a paranormal haunted podcast about ghosts I, I was like, I'm holding a pillow. <laughs> Comfort. Comfort. <laughs> like kissing our pants. It was so you funny. You guys have to try it. It is like, like any podcast. You don't have to listen to us we're on half speed, but oh my God, we we're dying. And then, so we went through the whole thing crying because we just sound absolutely wasted. And it also, I didn't really realize that I have a California accent. I didn't realize that. I always thought I was like very neutral, but you kind of hear the Valley girl. So I was like, this is cringeworthy. We're listening the whole time, but then we're also laughing because it was, we sounded drunk. And then, we finished that part and we were like, we don't remember anything, anything that we just said. So we actually learned absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But we did make sure not to bring anything back with us. So uh, yeah. fingers crossed. If anything, Marissa, your uh, new house will be haunted and uh, yeah. we'll be fine. Marissa got mad at me the first day that we were here because she was like, there's nothing in our house. Nothing's happened in this new house that they just moved into a month ago, her and Kelly. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I don't feel anything in this house either. And then, like, five minutes later, Kelly's light starts to flicker in her room, and it's just, like, turning on and off. And I was like, oh, your light is flickering. And she goes, oh, yeah, my desk lamp does that. And I go, oh. And she walks over, and she goes, oh, not that light. Oh. They were mad. They were like, get out of our house! (laughs) We forgot to ask if this place is haunted. I'm sure it is. I mean... All of the workers have suddenly turned their backs and are ignoring us. (laughs) Don't tell them. Don't tell them. We all know the frustration, bottles on bottles piling up in your bathroom, each one of them falsely promising a miracle solution. Ugh. But what if it didn't have to be this way? What if there was just one shampoo that could truly do it all? Function of Beauty never uses sulfates, parabens, phthalates, mineral oils, or any other harmful ingredients. It's all safe and natural ingredients, and they're vegan and cruelty-free, which unfortunately the sad reality is most major drugstore brands test on animals, but 
not function of beauty because function of beauty is 100% vegan and cruelty free. And a super awesome thing about function of beauty is that it's salon level quality at a better price. It costs over 40% less per ounce than leading salon brands. We absolutely love it. I brought mine to New York and I'm pretty sure my hair was glowing and on fleek. Is that still a thing? Can I say that? It is. This is just my shampoo and conditioner. Like I found it. The journey lasted 25 years and here I am, function of beauty, function of Corinne. It's it. Listeners will receive 20% off of their first custom formula. To claim, go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G now and take a quick two-minute hair profile quiz to design your 100% unique shampoo and conditioner formulas. Go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G now to redeem 20% off of your first order at functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G. That is functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G. Again, go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G now to redeem 20% off your first order at functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G. That is functionofbeauty.com forward slash T-G-O-G. Well, should we get started? I guess. Unless you guys just want to hear us talking about (laughs) anything happening. We're going to, yeah. Um, So since we're in Nashville, which is obviously music related, we decided to do music-related hauntings. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you know how to uh, make a tissue dance? <laughs> Put a little boogie in it. Yeah! I got it! <laughs> Corinne's an official honorary dad. <laughs> so proud of myself. Um, do you how wanna... many more do you have of those? I don't know. You'll have to find okay. out. All right. I'll go first. <laughs> I am doing... One of the most famous singers to have ever lived, and he is also one of the most famous spirits, I gave him that title, to ever haunt. It is the king of rock and roll. It is Elvis Presley, who we've mentioned a few times Yeah, because there's so much about him. Oh, wait. We forgot to tell you guys. At our live shows, instead of applauding, you have to boo us. Oh, yeah. That's like a thing that we're doing, and... For for our own good, so yeah. if we do poorly, we don't we know. don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Boom. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now so we got he's that the covered. king of rock and roll. It's Elvis Presley, and he was born in Mississippi in 1935. But then he moved to Memphis, Tennessee, when he was 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I probably shouldn't have picked this because he's not the biggest Nashville fan. We're gonna find out later. But anyway, so he's in Tennessee, he's in Memphis, and he grows up there since the time he was 13, and this is what got him his start in music, and he dabbled in the country genre, he went into blues, he did rock and roll, um, he did some gospel and some pop, and he became the best-selling solo artist in the history of recorded music, he won three Emmys, he won a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and he also was inducted to many different music halls of fame. So he was like an absolute star, and I mean... We all know who Elvis Presley is. I don't have to tell you. We all know that he passed away and that he passed away on the toilet. I feel like that was the thing that everyone talked about in middle school is like Elvis Presley passed yeah. away on the toilet. But also people don't believe he died. There's like That's conspiracies true. There's that huge like conspiracy. He's, he's like Tupac. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they sent him to Mars. That's my conspiracy. Just made that up. <laughs> Just made that up. 
so yeah, so everyone knows who he is. And one of my favorite artists is Bruno Mars. And Bruno Mars has been in person. Well, I guess not anymore because he's Bruno Mars. He doesn't have to do this. But he started impersonating Elvis when he was two years old. And you should go YouTube it because he looks like the same but just in a tinier body. And he's like four years old and he's absolutely getting it. Like singing, doing all the dance moves. Oh, my God. He was so cute. I love Bruno Mars. But this isn't about him. This is about Elvis. So... Um, Elvis died at the age of 42 and he died in his home of Mem- in Memphis at the Graceland estate, which is where he was also buried along with some of his family members. And there was some suspicious, like kind of activity surrounding his death. I'm sure people have heard about it, but basically the first autopsy that came back said that there, that he died of a heart attack and that there were no drugs in his system or anything. But then all these other pathologists were like, I don't know. Like, we know that he was taking a lot of drugs, and it kind of sounds like maybe he had an allergic reaction to something or something was overprescribed. And then they did another toxicology report on his body, and it came back that he was actually, let me, I think it was 14. Yeah, there were 14 different drugs in his body. So there's like all these different reports coming back. And then, of course, there are other conspiracies on top of that saying that. Um, he didn't actually die and people who went and saw his open casket like saw that it was like waxy and his hands looked fake and all of this stuff where they were like he didn't actually die he's somewhere and then they also think that he was in the background of Home Alone movie oh yeah did you see that because that's what Elvis would want to do (laughs) and then someone else was like Home Alone sign me up I'm in (laughs) and there was some man doing like garden work and someone filmed it and was like it's Elvis (laughs) I'm like I'm not sure with all his money he'd be setting up someone else's garden Mm. but sure unless he's in the CIA you never know you gotta go undercover as as a gardener (laughs) well maybe it's like of an important like family that he needs secrets from okay (laughs) yeah maybe yeah he like you you just he just likes gardening he just likes fucking garden he doesn't want to be a musician anymore yeah (laughs) (laughs) so there's just a ton of things surrounding elvis but i think not to say like he died guys but there's so much paranormal activity surrounding elvis that i think without a doubt there are so many more ghost sightings of Elvis than there are people sightings where people think that they saw Elvis walking around in the general population. And his home, Graceland, is open to the public. It is a National Historic Landmark. It's also, remember, where he's buried. And it is the second most visited home in the U.S. Guess Whoa. what the first most visited home in the U.S. is? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think Sabrina was would get it. Say, That's why I was trying to trick her. I was her. like, Basilica Axe Murder House? <laughs> very wrong (laughs) no wrong is the White House which is so crazy that the (laughs) White House is like competing with Elvis Presley's house that's a wild yeah that is crazy (laughs) okay so he actually haunts this house surprise surprise he haunts a million places but the house is one of them Um, and it's where he like lived and it's where he had his family and he had his mom with him and his daughter there and so it's no it's no wonder that he is on this property and he's haunting it and people have reported feeling very odd sensations when they're going through the kitchen they said that there's like a buzzing energy going through the house and there are certain areas of the home too that get a little bit more um, activity like people have seen him sitting by the fireplace or like sitting by the pool table just sitting in chairs they've seen him walking by like open doors and windows just like peeking in (laughs) creepy Uh, it's his house let him do whatever he wants let him do what he wants and he also has touched people and this is a little PG-13, but Uh-oh. there is an actress, her actress and model, 
uh, Paz de la Huerta, and she was visiting Graceland. She always really loved Elvis. She was very infatuated with him, and she was like, I want to go see his house. So she goes, and she does the tour, and she is in the corner of the room of the recording studio on the property, and she feels this energy go through her, like a ghost went through her. But then she feels this like sort of tickling sensation, <laughs> and she said it was like something was tickling her with a feather in a certain oh. area. Oh, what? And that she orgasmed in his recording oh studio. Oh, my God. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I don't know if you're excited or not over there. <laughs> I know. And that's what she said happened, so whatever. That is what she said. That's what she said. Uh, and then besides his home, he also is like very well known in Vegas. So he used to stay at the Las Vegas Hilton and he would perform there and he would stay up in the penthouse. And so people have seen his spirit in the penthouse, which is no surprise, but people have also seen him down in the basement, which sounds a little creepy, but that's where he used to gather with his friends where like all of the fans were like mobbing the the hotel after his performances and to avoid them, I guess, the people, he would go down into the basement and just like hang out and like drink with all of his friends in the basement. And people Sounds have like seen the him. creepiest place to go. <laughs> yes. Like of all places. I mean, maybe it's a furnished, finished basement. I'm imagining like a creepy like lights flickering laundry Me too. Basement. Like you open it, it's like a little some drips, some wet, oh, some yeah. smoking a cigar. Like doing cave. illegal gambling. Yeah. Also, he likes to visit some of his old haunts in Vegas and get a little bit of entertainment. And Wayne Newton, who's also a very famous singer who performs in Vegas, uh, was at the Las Vegas Hilton and he looked into the crowd and he was shocked to see Elvis Presley sitting in a seat watching the performance. So he's literally looking at his face and like singing into his face and delivering his performance to Elvis Presley's ghost. That's actually why we left that seat open for (laughs) Elvis. Yeah, because we're special enough to get a visit (laughs) from Elvis Presley. So yeah, so he goes around in Vegas and he like goes into the the Vegas Hilton and he's seen around that whole area. But he's also seen driving down the Las Vegas Strip in his red Cadillac, which I'm like, that's so badass. Also, does that mean like ghost car, ghost person, real car, ghost driving? I'm confused. Me too. That's why I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is it a real car that's just like driving? No, I think it's his ghost. But that's so weird to me. Yeah. All of it's weird. Ghosts are weird. It's all weird. But I think that he drives to Hollywood, California, Mm. because Vegas, his name is Elvis. Elvis was an actor. (laughs) Guys, we drank last night, so... (laughs) Sorry to the person that saw me like dry heaving on the side when we first got here. There was someone sitting in their car and Marissa just dropped me off and I was like, oh God, I'm going to vomit. A little bit of motion sickness and maybe some leftover everything we drank, which yeah. was everything. Yeah. And I'm literally like going like, ooh, ooh, like very dramatic. And then I turn around and there are two people sitting in their car in the parking lot just looking at me and I was like, fuck, I really wish I wasn't wearing this They're shirt. Probably, they know yeah. who I am. Yeah. They know where I'm going at least. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if that was you. I didn't throw up, so. <laughs> Whatever. Sabrina's laughing. <laughs> because maybe I did. <laughs> but anyway, so he, Elvis was in like 40-some movies. 30-some were apparently very good and successful, so I don't know about 41 those other... if you count Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
He's still going. So he loves Hollywood, and he used to stay at the Knickerbocker Hotel. And in room number 1016, he haunts the room. People have seen his presence, and the room is always cold. It's always colder than the rest of the rooms. And I want to know why. Besides, like, I understand, but he doesn't haunt it all the time. He's all over the place. Hmm. So I don't know why it's consistently colder unless he can somehow multiply himself and put right. himself everywhere all I at also once. wonder, I mean, like, if a spirit is so attracted to one area, can they, like, have pieces of their soul in different places? Like horcruxes? Yeah. Kind of thing? But, like, a positive version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that would make sense because, okay, so this is the fact that blows my mind. Elvis Presley's ghost has been seen thousands of times. There are thousands wow. of reported sightings. Thousands. Every How many? story we have talked about, thousands. <laughs> Do you have a dad joke about that? No. There's... <laughs> Sorry, I got a little pushy on you. Yeah. Um, but every story we talk about, when we talk about, like, oh, people saw ghosts, it's like, you know, like, three people saw something, or, like, one person saw the creeper, or, like, two people saw a doppelganger, or whatever. But this is thousands of sightings. It's It blows my mind wow. that he's so, so present and so willing to show himself and, like, has that amount of power and energy to just be like, here I am, here I am. Wiggle my hips and tickle with you with a feather. <laughs> I wouldn't say no if he asked me. <laughs> anyway... I mean, everyone saw me ride that bull, so we all know what I'm thinking I just about. see my mom nodding her head like, me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Last night, we were in the bar, and we were all there for a little bit, and then my mom and her friend who's here came to, to meet us. And when Corinne and I and Marissa and Kelly were walking in, this guy, like, comes up behind me. He's like, hey, how you doing? And I, like, I just, like, shrunk. And then Marissa, like, pulled me into her, and we're like, run. And then my mom comes into the bar, and she goes to the bar and gets a drink, and a man comes up behind her, try, like kisses her cheek, gets him to kiss her cheek, or wants him to, she doesn't, um, and starts giving her a massage, and she goes, I just got a free massage. It was so nice. And I'm like, she, yeah, she's like, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. Showing him where? <laughs> My back really hurt. It's all good. And I'm like, if a stranger touches me, I am, I'm out. Run also, away. When we were in the Uber and we were going to bull riding, I said, are you going to ride the bull? And she goes... I'm going to ride a different type of bull. <laughs> and that's when you said, what? And we were both like, nothing. That's what she said. And I was dying laughing. I was like, get it, girl. I shouldn't be surprised. And yet she <laughs> says things sometimes, and I'm like, why did you What? I'm sorry. Are you my mother? <laughs> are we related? Oh, she, she's a lot more fun than I am. I always <laughs> tell her, her and Corinne need to start a podcast. We'll get back to your story in a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I always tell her that her and Corinne need to start a podcast about their dating lives mm -hmm. because, like, between their stories, I am constantly entertained, and I feel like other people should be, too. <laughs> <laughs> your mom has more than me. She's, like... She's Every day. got some good stories. Well, I have this one to you that I retell over and over again, but she's always coming in with a fresh one. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, back to Ellis Press. Yes, yes, yes. He is also a hitchhiking ghost. There was a man who was driving a truck, and he pulls over to pick up a hitchhiker on December 20th of a year that I didn't write down. 
But he <laughs> picks up this guy, and then he's like, holy shit, this guy looks like Elvis Presley. So he starts asking him some questions. He's like, where are you going? And Elvis is like, Memphis. And he's like, well, why? And he's like, well, I'm going to go visit my mother for the holidays. And oh. that's the end of that story. I couldn't find anything else online. I don't know how it ended. Did he disappear? Did he get wow. dropped off at Graceland Estate? I have no idea. But he's a hitchhiking ghost as well. Um, <laughs> and then also... Elvis Presley haunts Nashville. So here we are. Boo. (laughs) I'm like questioning us doing that now because I really can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing. No, I'm kidding. Keep going. It's good. Now I'm (laughs) self-conscious. Okay, so he spends an awful lot of time here in Nashville and he recorded his very first hit single in the old RCA recording studio, which was on Music Row. And it's just a couple of miles from here. I'm sure people have all driven down Music Row. We did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And in the building, there's so much paranormal activity that every single employee who's ever worked in that building has walked away with a story, has oh. had some sort of experience. And when Jim Owens TV used this building as its studios, they said that there was so much activity and that their employees would actually like kind of start to say stuff or like maybe talk to Elvis to see if he would react and do anything. And he totally did. He would push ladders down. Lights would just blow out and explode in the ceiling. And strange noises and bangs would go all throughout the building. And then my favorite part is he would go over the speaker system and just, like, make odd noises. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a little bit of a prankster in some some instances. Maybe he's, like, trying to sing. Maybe. And that's what it sounds like from the other side. My version of ghost music. That's what we were going to do at karaoke last night. Thank God we didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's they would have been saying. To us. Yeah. Um, and that's literally what happened to Elvis at the Ryman Auditorium, which is where he haunts. Apparently, it was the original home of the Grand Old Opry. And Elvis went there and he performed. And it was his first and last time performing there because at the time, the Grand Old Opry was very... Um, they weren't ready for his flashy outfits and his swaying hips. And so he <laughs> literally got booed off of the stage. How sad. I bet those people feel... <laughs> <laughs> he got booed off of the stage, and then as he's leaving the stage, there was a music producer who stopped him and said, son, get out of the business. <gasps> You're never going to make it in music. This is why you need to persevere. Don't let the haters get you down. Yeah. Just keep on swaying your hips and tickling the feathers. <laughs> so Elvis was like, fuck Nashville. Sorry, guys. We don't feel that way. We love Nashville. We love but it. He was like, I'm never going to perform in Nashville ever again. And it wasn't just the Grand Ole Opry. He literally never performed in Nashville again. So he had this thing against Nashville because, well, they booed him off of the stage. Um, but his daughter, Lisa Marie did go to the Ryman Auditorium and performed there. Wow. Which I don't think he was overly thrilled about, and he had already passed away at this time. But she is walking back to her dressing room, and when she gets to her dressing room, she's trying to open up the door, and the door's stuck. And it's not just stuck like, oh, it's a little like maybe the it's swollen, the door, you got to push a little bit. It was like a cement wall, like nothing was moving. So then her security guard is like, oh, let me try. So they're both going at the door, and they're so confused and flabbergasted, and like, what the hell is going on? And then after they tried for a while, they hear Elvis Presley's laugh, and the door opens. Oh. 
So I don't know if he was just like trying to like tease her and get a good laugh, or if he was like, "This is what you get for performing at the place that I'm gonna make off it of the stage, my very kin." Difficult. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So he gave her a little bit of a scare. <laughs> Um, and then he also spends a lot of time not only, you know, going around and visiting his, his old haunts and maybe some of his relatives, but also taking care of his fans. So there was one fan whose name was Tony Welch and Tony was a teenager and he was living in Georgia and he was one of, uh, four boys. And he was just a teen at the time, and like his room was all decorated with Elvis Presley posters and memorabilia, and he like loved Elvis. And then he was like, I'm kind of unhappy here in Georgia. I want to try to see if I can make it in Hollywood. So he decided to run away from home and go with $2,000 out to Los Angeles to try to be an actor. So he left home, and his dad, Harold, was a police officer in Georgia and wasn't too happy about it and was a bit concerned about his son and didn't really know where his son was, like knew he was in L.A., but didn't know exactly where. They kind of lost touch. And one night... Harold, the father, is dreaming. And in his dream, Elvis Presley comes in a police officer uniform and says, hello, Harold. I'm here to talk about Tony. I'm very concerned about your son, Tony. Tony is not doing well in L.A. He's going around with a bad crowd. He's taking drugs. I'm very concerned for him. I've tried to reach through to him. I've tried to talk to him. And he doesn't believe me. So you need to go and help Tony. And Harold's like, this is the weirdest fucking dream I've ever had. (laughs) And then Elvis is like, this is not a dream, Harold. I'm telling you, you need to go help your son, Tony. And so he's like, this is how I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show you where to find Tony. So he's like, look at this. He pointed out a drugstore on the corner and a diner across the street and a bunch of other notable sites right in that area. And he's like, this is where your son is. Go find him. So Harold wakes up and he's like convinced enough that he's like, okay, I'm going to go out to L.A. and try to find this place and find Tony. So he packs up the car, takes all of his sons, they road trip out to LA, and they're just driving around the general like Hollywood LA area, trying to find exactly where Elvis had pointed out. It's a big area. It's a big area. I'm assuming they're probably just in Hollywood. But they're driving, and then suddenly they see the drugstore on the corner, and they see the diner across the street, and they see all the other things that were pointed out in the dream in a city they'd never been to before. So they're like, this has got to be it. So they pull over, and there are only three houses, residential houses, in this little strip. So they go and they knock on the doors of the residential houses, and they find Tony. That's crazy. And they take Tony home. And Tony confided in them and said, you know, while I was out there, I had two really weird dreams of Elvis Presley, and he told me not to worry and that my dad was coming to help me soon. Oh, my God. Doesn't that break He's like an angel. I know. Maybe he is really dead. <laughs> I think now dead. I believe it. I buy in now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He takes care of people and he That's looks out really for people. Sweet. It's so sweet. And he's also visited Priscilla Presley, who he had been married to for quite a long time, uh, when he it was his first wife. And she said, and also they had their child together, Lisa Marie. Um, she said that she can sense him and that his spirit communicates with her. And that when she goes into Graceland, she said, my gosh, I can walk in that door and see him walking down the stairs. I can hear his laughter. I hear music playing in the music room. It's a very Aww. surreal feeling, but it's also not scary. It's beautiful. Oh. So he still is, is playing so music sweet. for her. It's so sweet. Wow. And this part's a little scary. I think it's slightly <laughs> scary. Okay. Elvis 
He's literally done everything you can possibly do as a spirit. He's so powerful. He has taken to spirit writing, automatic writing, which means he possesses someone's body and has them write for him. And the person he possesses is named Dorothy Sherry, and this is his favorite person to possess. Mm. So Dorothy describes herself as a simple housewife. She didn't ever meet Elvis when he was alive. She didn't ever go to one of his shows. She didn't own his record. She wasn't a fan. I mean, she just was like, hmm. Like, she had no connection to him, no real reason to be like, Elvis is writing through me. Like, she just had no connection to him. Was she the woman who he tickled with a feather? No, different (laughs) woman. Lucky woman. I mean, I don't know what he did to this lady, but he took over her body um, when she participated in a seance. And I love that she was like, I'm just a regular housewife. And she's doing seances, like, on the side. (laughs) But, so... He possessed Dorothy's body, and suddenly she took over, or he took over her, and her mannerisms and her behavior and her movements were all exactly Elvis Presley. That is so cool. Yes. And she was, like, writing, 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 writing quickly, or Elvis was writing. And he wrote all these things about himself to try to prove that it was him. And then he also wrote why he chose Dorothy, why she was the chosen one. And he said that in a past life... They had been wife and husband, and so they oh. were traveling souls. So when he passed over, he wanted to pay her a visit because he didn't get to see her in that in his that life so as Elvis cute. Presley. So yeah, so he like possesses her, I guess, <laughs> to say hello. And That's then, very loving, very loving. And then <laughs> Dorothy is suddenly like in tune with the spiritual world and starts to astral project, and she astral projects all the time. And her spirit Scary. meets Elvis Presley's spirit. And so they're hanging out, like, in this other realm, like, every night as she astral projects. It's so wild. Whoa. And a lot of people didn't believe in Dorothy's experience. They're like, okay, well, she's writing. Like, everyone knows everything about Elvis. Or if you don't, you can find it. It's somewhere. It's written somewhere. Like, she's a liar. <laughs> so Elvis decided to, maybe because he didn't want Dorothy to be the subject of all of this, like, negative criticism he decided to um, share some things that weren't ever like in print at the time anywhere about his life to prove that Dorothy was legit that it was him coming through Dorothy and one of those things that he shared was that and if you know anything about Elvis it was that he had this relationship with his mother where he was like my mother is a saint never said anything bad about her never never wanted anything to be said bad about her but in his automatic writing and possession of Dorothy he Uh, shared with the world or whoever was in the room at the time that his mother actually did have a drinking problem that he had tried to cover up and this was like him trying to prove that it really was him because also if you think about it how many things do you think he can say that aren't already known in the world he's very limited so he actually had to kind of like go against what he believed and what he worked so hard in his life to cover up and like protect his mom just to be like no it's actually me oh and then also, what? you mentioned this oh, in the near-death yes. experience episode, uh-huh. the NDEs. He is apparently a being of light. Mm. And this is related to near-death experiences. And near-death experiences were first uh, used, the term was first used in 1975 in the book called Life After Life by Dr. Raymond Moody. And it's funny because that was one of the first books I ever bought in like the spiritual section at the bookstore and I was like 12 I bought this book because I was like reincarnation sounds so cool like (laughs) near-death experiences whatever um but so 
Dr. Raymond Moody, he went on to obtain his PhD in psychology and he became a psychotherapist and he studied, studied at University of Virginia. And he got into studying near-death experiences because he met another psychiatrist named George Ritchie. And Ritchie told Dr. Moody that nine years prior, he, or sorry, when he was 20 years old, for nine minutes he died. And that he went over and crossed over to the other side and saw a bunch of stuff during the nine minutes he was dead. And so Dr. Moody's like, this is such a long time. And Dr. Moody's like, this is so interesting. I want to learn all about near-death experiences. So he starts doing all of this research and talking to all of these people about their near-death experiences. And then he starts to notice that there's a pattern. And the pattern is that a lot of people see Elvis Presley when they die. And it, he's like, this is so bizarre. And his understanding of near-death experiences is that when people cross over, like, of course, you will probably see, like, a loved one or someone to greet you like that. But also, you will be met by a being of light when you first cross over. And this is someone of, like, more significant spiritual, uh, like, ability. So, like, Buddha or, like, Jesus, you'll see those wow. people. But for a lot of people, it's Elvis Presley. <laughs> Which is so bizarre. And it's so many people that Dr. Moody ended up writing a book called Elvis Afterlife. Oh, my gosh. So crazy. And then another doctor who studies near-death experiences, Dr. Melvin Morse, he spoke to a woman who was 45 years old. She was a Midwestern teacher, and she had a near-death experience, and she saw Elvis. And she had actually met him when she was a child during her life. So she did have a connection to him, unlike a lot of other people who just... Suddenly are presented with Elvis Presley in their (laughs) afterlife. Uh, But she, quote, said, said, quote, I entered into a dark tunnel and suddenly I was in a place filled with love and beautiful bright light. The place seemed holy. My father, who had died two two years earlier, was there, as were my grandparents. Everyone was happy to see me, but my father told me it was not my time and that I would be going back. Just as I turned to go, I caught a sight of Elvis. He was standing in this place of intense bright light, and he came over to me, and he took my hand and said, Hi, Bev. Do you remember me? (laughs) What? I think Elvis really likes being a celebrity, and he's not willing to let it go. I mean, he's not the one who gets to choose this. Like, someone had to give him the power to be like, yes, you are going to be at the gates of whatever the afterlife is, yeah. and you're going to welcome everyone You in. see a bright light, and then you see just, like, this really round, like, sparkly sequence. Yeah, I imagine him in his hair white outfit. Hair face. Hey, <laughs> you know who I am? He does, like, a hip swing. Ooh, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. But are you riding the bull again? <laughs> no, I'll never do that again. My ego is so bruised. <laughs> Thank you. I will do it again now, I guess. You've swayed me. Um, and then, if you still don't believe in Elvis, Elvis Presley's spirit, there have been so many photographs of his spirit as well. People have caught orbs in the home of Graceland, which is where he's buried. Uh, they've found orbs by his grave, and there are actual pictures of what appears to be Elvis. There's one of him sitting overlooking the pool table. In another picture, there's literally his reflection on this like shiny piece of furniture, just his face like looking up. It's a little creepy, but whatever. And then there's like some of him, kind of like what I was describing where people would saw his spirit. It, it was like him walking by an open doorway or like sitting out by the pool wow. or like something. And a lot of people are like, okay, these photos are authenticated. Like they're, they're not fake, but people still aren't sure if it's actually him or if there's some sort of like trick of light or if someone maybe walked through and it was like a long exposure. Or, it's him. It's him. <laughs> it's him. 
But whatever it is, Elvis Presley is just as famous in his afterlife, afterlife as he was in his life. And he haunts fucking everywhere. <laughs> so you're probably going to see him in Nashville. I hope now that we're talking about him, he's going to like appear somewhere. We're willing him in here. <laughs> and then I wrote, just like in his life here on Earth, Elvis is a professional in the afterlife, a professional haunter. <laughs> so I would like to change his title from King. <laughs> that was a dad King joke. Raw, kind of. Dad joke. It kind of was. <laughs> yeah, I'm channeling you. Yeah. <laughs> dad. Should I start calling you dad? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm dad. with it. It's kind of weird. I want to do weird. that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's Elvis Presley and all of his hauntings. Yay. His many talents in the afterlife. May you all be blessed with seeing Elvis in the afterlife. Yes. Or even now. Even now. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Are you tired of credit card bills with high interest rates? Ready to pay off your credit card balances and start saving money? Well, you can get a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream with rates as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with no fees. That means no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties, no fees. And the rate is fixed, so it will never go up over the life of the loan. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. Just for our listeners, you can apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash T-G-O-G. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash T-G-O-G. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash T-G-O-G for more information. What did you do? Um, I really thought we were done. <laughs> did you think you went first? Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> also, my out. hand is like shaking because I've been holding the mic for so long. I like, what are you supposed to do with it? While you're talking. Your I hands. feel like I just held it and everyone just heard me breathing the whole time. Like I was like, yeah, I'm ready to talk, but. That's going to sound really good in the recording. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I chose to do Bobby Mackey's Music World. And uh, it's uh, a nightclub in Wilder, Kentucky, and it features a country music. It features country music, a full bar, a weird abandoned old tunnel in the basement, an electric bull, uh, some ghosts, uh, fully functional bathrooms, and a portal to hell. Casual. Uh, <laughs> um, Wait, fully? Was that? In their website, like no. fully functioning bathroom. Oh. No. I was like, do you have to say that in Kentucky? <laughs> I just decided to you add can that flush in there. It here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so now you know if you go to Bobby Mackey's, you will be able to use the bathroom. And maybe you'll walk in on someone and they'll say thank you. Uh, so a while back on, I think it was episode 89, or no, 68, I don't know. We did an episode on haunted ghost hunters. And I talked about Aaron Goodwin, which we all know he's Zach's like, go hang out in the basement and get haunted by ghosts guy. Um, And he became wildly haunted after visiting Bobby Mackey's Music World. Sorry, are you not so distracted by all those like little? They're creepy. There are a lot of things. 
Like that, I'm also blind, so that to me looks like a faceless man back there. Yeah, those dolls. Hmm. They're beautiful. They're a little creepy. I don't want to. I don't want to insult anyone. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So Aaron got wildly haunted when he visited Bobby Mackey's, and so did Zach. Apparently, Zach like had to have an exorcism on the episode. Like in the middle of the episode, they had an exorcism for him. Uh, and also, he was really mean to Aaron the whole episode. He kept telling him <laughs> to shut up. Like Aaron would say something, he would shut up, Aaron. Shut up. My God, like, Zach. okay. They need uh, to go to couples therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when Aaron was there, he went home and something very clearly followed him home. And it began to torment him and his now ex-wife. And they'd have, and I talked about this, but just briefly to go over it again. He uh, was tormented by nightmares. And in every nightmare, there was this white bearded man chasing him. And his wife would have the same dreams. And it just started out with dreams, but then in the like in their actual normal life, things started happening. Like things would break, lights would turn on and off, water would turn on and off. And then things started getting thrown at them. And it was, it just like, it really affected their life to the point where they got divorced. And even now, Aaron feels like he's drawn back to Bobby Mackey's and has been back on multiple occasions, even though it's terrifying to him. Yeah. And his wife, his ex-wife, even knows when he's even thinking about Bobby Mackey's. And she'll call him and be like, stop thinking about it. And he's oh like, my God. like, they're just like connected in that way now. Yeah. So he haunted. Um, <laughs> so Bobby Mackey's is the most haunted nightclub in America. But how did it become to be? Uh, the land, I don't know. English is <laughs> tried to be like a dramatic writer. I also wrote this like after traveling for 20 hours on a flight. So there are some things I wrote to myself and I just skipping over them because like what I wrote where the bullfrogs jump from bank to bank. <laughs> what? what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I've lost my mind. I need to. Can I have that after yes. I want to look <laughs> Yes, you can. Okay. So the land that Bobby Mackey's was built upon sits right next to the Licking River. And over the years, the land has become heavily saturated with blood. Yes. Uh, it began in the 1800s, and there was this man named Major David Litch, and he was gifted this land, although it was not the government's land to gift, and it was after the Revolutionary War. They were like, great job. You did great in the service, and uh, here's this land that we know is occupied by Native Americans, but you know what? It's ours to give. And uh, so David, and as we know, a lot of American settlers in that time were very greedy and uh, did not like to share. And didn't go to kindergarten, so they didn't learn the rules. <laughs> um, so they go to this land, and they bring lots and lots of weapons. And they slaughter anyone and everyone who's in their way. Uh, so basically, then they, they built this whole town over unmarked graves of Native Americans. Which is horrible. Yeah, good way to get yourself cursed. Yes, and then a few years later, they built the Wilder Rail Railway, and so then the town was named Wilder. And in the 1850s, four or five slaughterhouses were all built upon the land of Wilder, and so more blood, more pain. And actually, there's like these legends of Licking River it was so saturated with blood that the river turned red because these slaughterhouses would dispose of the animals in the river. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. Um, 
and the slaughterhouse that operated on the land closed after 40 years of operation. And then, because of all the blood that had been spilled on this land, people say that all these cults and people who were practicing dark magic would come on the land and perform rituals and sacrifices, whether it be human or animal sacrifices. So there's all this kind of, it keeps building and more blood is spilling and it continues to spill. And in 19, no, in 1896, a young woman's body is found decapitated and her head is nowhere to be found. And it was severed before, below the fifth vertebra. And this is very sad, but the woman had been pregnant. Oh my God. And the only way to identify this woman was by the tag on her shoe because it was a custom-made shoe. And she was identified as Pearl Bryan, who was a 20-year-old woman who had supposedly fallen in love with a dentist named Scott Jackson and had gotten pregnant with his child. And they both agreed that they didn't want to have this kid. They, they were like, this is unplanned. Neither of us are ready. Neither of us expected this. And Pearl wanted to go get a professional abortion. And Scott cared too much about his reputation and decided, no, I don't want people to know. And Pearl keeps fighting for it. And so finally he goes, okay, fine. Tomorrow we'll go to a professional clinic. But instead of that, he poisoned her food and basically gave her a tranquilizer and goes to his friend and roommate, Alonzo Walling, and is like, let's perform the abortion ourselves. Yeah, it's really fucked up. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry to bring the mood down. Um, so, I never really built it up, so... <laughs> So, yeah, so he drugged her. She's unconscious. And so Jackson and Whaling now take her unconscious body to, like, a basement of some building. And keep in mind, he's a dentist. He has no knowledge of how to do this procedure. And so he tries to, and Pearl starts bleeding out. And they can't stop it. She's unconscious. And so they decide to cut her head off. Oh, my God. And, yeah. um, She apparently was still alive when they cut her head off. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. Very boo. Sorry, Dad. Over there. <laughs> um, and then, so her body was found. Her head has never been found, still to this day. But Scott and Alonzo were found guilty and hanged in 1897. And it was, like, the most absurd. Wilder was, like, I don't even know. They basically made merchandise for the public hanging. And they, like sold it for, to support Pearl and like so people were wearing like Pearl shirts at the hanging it was very strange it's a little turned around but it's very strange um, so Pearl's head was never found but legend goes is that it was dumped in one of the wells at the abandoned slaughterhouse which is near the land of Bobby Mackey's and over time the story became more exaggerated and there are stories of Pearl's head being found in the center of a pentagram and you know like people take things and dramatize oh, them which yeah. But there's no record of her head ever being found. And this land does not need to be dramatized because it has enough terrible stuff, haunting stuff to happen. It doesn't need worse stuff. And then so by the 1920s, the old slaughterhouse was torn down and it was rebuilt during Prohibition by mobsters. And it was an illicit bar and casino for all kinds of unsavory men. And they built a distillery where they could process and bottle their own liquor and they built these three wells under the building in order to like bring it all in and do 
kind of underground so people can't catch them. And with the mob, there came violence. A lot of people ended up dead, and a lot of people's bodies ended up unmarked and buried in the ground nearby. And in 1933, after Prohibition, the building turned into another casino called the Primrose. And it was a lucrative business until all the other local gangs, I have no idea how many gangs were in this area, but it sounds like a lot. But the, the other local gangs were like, I want the profits. And then, so it became like this war over the property. And the man who owned the property, property his name was E.A. Brady, or Buck. And he was like the one guy in this town who was not in a gang. And he owned the property and the gangs kind of like all came together and were like, okay, well like, let's take him out. It's one guy versus all of us. And so they beat Brady really badly and Brady gave up the land and was like, take it. Um, but Buck cursed them. He was like, you can have it, but you will never succeed and I will make sure of it. And this land will forever be cursed. And anyone who lives here or owns this property will be cursed and their business will fail. And it kind of came true. But unfortunately, over time, Buck was so distraught that he ended up completing suicide in September of 1965. And then the gangs that took the building from Buck, they renamed it to the Latin Quarter. And it kept kept it as a casino. And they were arrested, like all this stuff. And then... In 1955, they owed so much money that the county deputies came and took sledgehammers to the building to get in and, like, took all the slot machines so they can get their money back. Oh, my God. So maybe the curse did work. That would be kind of a fun police team to be on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done, like, axe throwing? That I feel like that no, would be fun. No, because I saw a video. It was going around on Instagram of a girl, and she does it, and it hits the rubber, and it comes back. <gasps> and it's like, foo, foo, foo. and if she didn't duck, she literally would have been... How does that happen? I don't know, but I'm not going to find out. Okay, yeah. I guess I don't want to do it anymore. So evil struck again, and the owner of the Latin Quarter, who was also the head of the gang, was a shitty guy, and he, the casino was upstairs, and then downstairs he had like an illegal brothel of sorts, Mm -hmm. and he had a young daughter. Her name was Joanna, and uh, he made his daughter work in the brothel. And Joanna fell in love with, I'm just realizing this is a really sad story. It gets, the ghost stuff comes soon, I promise. Uh, Joanna fell in love with a local musician. His name was Robert Randall. And Robert was like, you deserve a better life. Like, I, like I'm going to get you out of here. And Joanna's father was like, learned of the plan. He was like, absolutely not. Then Joanna got pregnant. And Joanna's father had his gang members kill Robert. And so Joanna was heartbroken and she was like, I, I'm going to kill my father. And so she tries to poison him, but it doesn't work. And he basically locks her in the basement and then she took her own life. <laughs> Sorry. So her father continued his operations until 1978 and then he was forced to run when a massive violent shootout took place inside the casino. So again, more death, more blood. So much fun. (laughs) Why did I choose this? (laughs) I don't know. You do this every time, though. (laughs) I know. Um, So then Bobby Mackey comes in, and he buys the land and turns it into Bobby Mackey's music world. And Bobby is like his whole life, from since he was a child, he wanted to be a musician. That's all he ever wanted. And he actually has like, he's pretty successful. He has a song that was on uh, the U.S. country hit charts. It's called Pepsi Man. It came out in 1982. And I listened to it. It's kind of good. It's good. 
Yeah. Um, and I listen to it. Yeah, we should. Okay. Um, so yeah, so for 40 years he sang country music and then eventually he was like, I want a place where people can come and enjoy country music together. And he found Bobby Mackey's and he didn't really know much about the history and he was like, this is the perfect location. It's kind of on a busy road and it has all this land. We can be as loud as we want. We can party. And so he buys it. And also he doesn't believe in ghosts. So he, even if people are like, there are ghosts here, he'd be like, Psh. And so he moves in and they start building, they reconstruct some of this stuff, but a lot, as we know, a lot of stories, when they, when you try to rebuild properties and there are ghosts there, they don't like it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people were being pushed off the ladders, like light fixtures would explode as people were trying to change the lights and they kept going to Bobby and they're like, dude, like, I think there are ghosts here. And he's like, no, the ghosts aren't real. Like you're, you're being crazy. And, uh, it just kept continuing. And even his wife, who was pregnant at the time, was walking up the stairs at, in a place in the, in the bar and got pushed down the stairs. And she goes to Bobby. Her name is Janet. She goes to Bobby and is like, a ghost pushed me down the stairs. And he's like, Janet, it's just your pregnant brain. Like you're, I know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. They're divorced now. Uh, uh, another wonderful father. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so he just like isn't believing them and he he also is afraid that all these ghost stories are going to ruin his business. Like if people think this place is haunted, no one's going to come. And he eventually hires this man, his name is Carl Lawson. He's 20 years old and he's he's like I'll give you a place to stay in exchange for you being the caretaker of this land basically. And Carl and I will preface this. I think Carl may have been starting to suffer from a mental disorder, but as we know, a lot of dark spirits do take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for them to take over them because people will hear their stories and not believe them. So Carl is haunted by dark entities. He's the only one who stays the night every single night in Bobby Mackey's music world. And he hears voices. And he once was told to strangle a man. And he was like taken over and started strangling this guy. Oh and like let go and starts bawling his eyes out and he's like please help me something like I'm being taken over and why would he continue to stay there he needed a job I don't know uh, but he continued to be tormented and he asked Carl for help he was like I think we need to get the place cleansed like it's really bad there are all these spirits and Bobby was like ghosts are not real and Carl eventually actually wrote a book of all of his experiences. It's like a massive book and they're like spirits would tell him all types of things. And he eventually did get himself exercised and he felt a little bit better. But I mean, in the time entities were pushing him, scratching him, all types of things, taunting him. And Bobby refused to believe him. And Carl then was convinced that there was a portal to hell and a voice told him to start digging a hole in the basement and so he went down and started digging and digging and digging. And all of a sudden, apparently, the supernatural occurrences went through the roof. Like, it was insane. Like, he unleashed oh my God. a portal to hell. Like, yeah. all the demons were coming out. And this is all before it even opened. I've never thought of it that way, that it's like a well, and if you just crack it open, Ugh. but you can't see it. Yeah. They just come flying out. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I honestly thought it was going to be that he was digging. He realized that he was digging his own grave. 
Oh, that's creepy. That's but the music. That's, that's the movie version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Bobby Mackey's Music World finally opens and it became very popular and Bobby could play his own music for adoring crowds. People could ride the bull and patrons could drink and have a real good time. But patrons started having experiences with the ghosts themselves. And there was an overwhelming sense of dread in the venue. Lights would turn on and off. People would see shadowy figures lurking around the building when the building was empty. And people were pushed and scratched and even pushed down the stairs like his wife had been. Mm -hmm. And there was one instance where a man who was a patron of of Bobby Mackey's went to go to the bathroom and he was washing his hands, doing his thing. And all of a sudden, sudden, the trash can from the other side of the room comes flying at him and is thrown at him. And it hits him. And Bobby then the next day is like talking to his lawyer, like, what do I do? And his lawyer was like, you need to put a sign up. You need to put a sign up that you are not responsible for anything that happens in your venue. And so even today, there is a sign. It's not the same sign, but it reads, warning to our patrons, this establishment is p- reported to be haunted. Management is not responsible and cannot be held liable for any actions of any ghosts or spirits on the premises. That's like the best sign. You know how people do like, beware of dogs? <laughs> Just do that. Yeah. 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 I'm going to do that. I mean, I feel For like if anyone saw that, yeah, if someone saw that, an intruder saw that, they'd be like, okay, don't want to go in here. One, because if there are ghosts, I'm scared. Yeah. Two, this person's probably nuts. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, and so there are so many ghosts at Bobby Mackey's that people have said there's over 40. And obviously, like I told you the history of the land, there could be so many. There are so many people who've died, animals, people, and it goes back to the 1800s. And so Joanna, the woman who took her own life in the basement after her dad killed her lover, is often seen in the former dressing room and appears in mirrors behind people, which is creepy. So creepy. But also she leaves behind the smell of her perfume and it smells like flowers. That's nice. Others have seen the headless ghost of Pearl who appears without her head and has a profound sense of melancholy, melancholy and... It's interesting, and people try to say, like, refute this and say that it's not real because her body was found miles and miles away from the property. But if you believe the the legend that her head was buried in the property, maybe she's trying to look for it. Maybe she's trying to find it. And so she's there searching and hoping maybe someone will uncover it. I don't know. There's also an extremely malicious entity that is fully dressed in cowboy attire, and he likes to attack people. <laughs> and he even once beat a person unconscious. What? Yeah. This is so sad. <laughs> I know. The second that it becomes real and it can like actually do harm real you. harm to you it's consistently yeah. in a row, it's one thing to like throw a knife or something, but to like be able to beat you to the point. I mean, a knife being thrown is pretty bad too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Rather. <laughs> Well, then there's another man with a handlebar mustache who haunts the restrooms and repeatedly says, die game, die game, die game, which is apparently Latin for die well. I don't know. Or in my mind, I'm like, he's playing a dice game. Like it used to be a casino and he's like, I need to play. I need to play. I'm like hooked on this. (laughs) Where's the die game? Bring back the die games. Uh, And then there's also a very angry shadow figure that likes to break things and apparently targets women. And... 
Carl believes that there were even more terrifying spirits in the building, and it was so traumatizing that he exercised himself and got the building exercised, and the evil stayed with him for the remainder of his life. And there are countless experiences that have taken place at Bobby Mackey's Music World. It has drawn tourists and ghost hunters alike. Ghost Adventures actually did two episodes there, and they tried to contact the man who killed Pearl, and they like acted like he confessed to it, but it's like he already confessed to it. You didn't get new information. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Zach got possessed, where <laughs> I feel like that happens every episode. Yeah, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> uh, but he's not the only person who feels like spirits were trying to possess them. There are people who, after going to visit Bobby Mackey's Music World, have like tried to file legal, legal suits because they're like, I was possessed at this facility. But obviously... Bobby put the sign up, so there's nothing they can do. But they've sworn mm-hmm. affidavits claiming they felt that something has gone into them, and then all of a sudden, like a switch of a flip, a flip of a switch. I don't know flip what happened. Of a switch. My wires got crossed in there, uh, and then like they would take on different personalities and even facial features while they were inside. No way. Like their face would like contort like the woman oh. who was taken over by Elvis. Yeah. Like they would just become someone else but it was evil. And they felt like harming people. And Bobby is still resistant to it. He still doesn't believe in ghosts but he's also like okay but they don't but actually this is bringing more people to Bobby Mackey's so like yes I don't believe in them but I will talk about them and like put it out there in the world because this is drawing people in and making my business better and now more people hear my music and he actually okay this is what's crazy because he I get it like if you don't believe in ghosts but like he's really taking he's like milking it and he even made a song dedicated to the ghost of Joanna it's called the ballad of Joanna so he just confused maybe I feel like he believes but he's too scared to admit it yeah he doesn't or he's like trying to like act tough and be like or maybe he maybe the few moments where he has started to believe it maybe more activities picked up so he's trying to close himself off and be like I don't believe don't touch me don't do anything that's true maybe um there are tour groups that have attempted to use Ouija boards to contact spirits, which we all know don't do. Mm-hmm. Not in this place. Not in a place that's known to have a portal to hell. Uh, they've caught EVPs, and people have been touched and scratched by numerous spirits. Some of the EV- EVPs are the cries of a female voice, someone saying, love me, love me. <laughs> so it could be. I feel like it could be Pearl or Joanna yeah. or so many other ghosts. And then there's... The mumbling voices of a man telling people to choke or get out. And there's also an EVP. They're after us. <laughs> they know what we did. And there's also an EVP that was caught and it says, right behind you, which is terrifying because what's behind you? The thing yelling at you? Yeah, where are you supposed to look? I don't know. Uh, other people will hear the sound of deep growling coming from the depths of, like, if they walk past the door of the basement, they hear, which is terrifying. And also, apparently, these songs that, like, the jukebox will start playing songs that aren't even in the jukebox, and they're, like, 1930s, 1940s songs. Wait, I love that. Yeah. Uh and chairs have moved across the room. People have gotten chills. People have heard their names whispered behind their ear, like, in their ear when no Ooh. one's behind them. Uh, and there was a book written by a man named Doug Hensley, Hensley, called Hell's Gate, but it's mostly believed to be falsified and dramatized. So everyone says to read Carl Lawson's book because it's his firsthand experiences of being in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
we obviously all here believe in ghosts. So maybe we should go. No. No. <laughs> it I would be fun. No. But then we did go to the Bell Witch Cave, so. That's true. And we were fine. If you bring me to Kentucky, I might we'll go. I might go. Okay. But so, yeah, that is Bobby Mackey's Music World, the most haunted nightclub in America. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm feeling... <laughs> oh, my God. What was that? It was a car. Oh, but holy my God. shit. <laughs> my heart just literally stopped. It sounded like a, like a church, <laughs> like a priest, like, oh, I was like, we're going to die That was here. really scary. All of us together. The dolls oh are after us. The Ooh. bell witch has followed us. <laughs> Holy crap. BarkBox is a dog-crazy, dog-obsessed company that celebrates the special connection you share with your dog. They create a monthly gift that both you and your dog cannot wait to open. It's the same anticipation and delight you felt as a kid for every party, birthday, and Christmas. It's the same joy they deliver to you and your dog every time a BarkBox arrives. Every month, BarkBox sends the best all-natural treats and chews and innovative toys to match your dog's unique needs. And all of their toys are designed in-house by their dog-crazy designers, and they're made from the very best materials. So all of their treats are grain-free and never contain any soy, wheat, or corn. And all of the meat is sourced in the USA and all of the treats are made in the USA and Canada. So they're really the highest quality partners that they use for all of their treats. And their toys are safe as well. So for example, they have a stomach safe t-shirt rope, a spiky ball cores, and dozens of innovative squeakers. It's the best value. Each box has free delivery and contains over $40 worth of toys and treats. And with subscriptions starting at $22, it's a steal. So whether you want to wait and open the Bark Box as a family, or maybe you just want to let your dog tear into it the moment it arrives, Bark Box becomes a monthly ritual that you and your pup absolutely go crazy for. Plus they have new monthly themes, so opening them is so exciting and they have the popular Jurassic Bark, Shakespeare in the Dog Park. Oh my god, these make me so happy. It's so punny. It keeps you and your dogs engaged, interested, and happy. And they know that not all dogs are alike. So if your dog has allergies or is an extra heavy chewer, they are happy to help create a box that meets your dog's specific needs. You can also upgrade to an extra toy club to get an extra toy in every bark box for an additional $9 a month. And hey, if your dog does not absolutely love something in the box, you can let their happy customer service team know and they will send you something your dog will love for free. And they have free shipping to anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One of my favorite things is getting to send out bark boxes to new pups that I'm trying to win over. So this month I sent it to Izzy. She is my friends Nate and Sarah's puppy and she's featured on my Instagram and she loved it. So you're welcome from Aunt Corinne. So if you want to get a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com forward slash TGOG when you subscribe to a six or 12 month plan. For a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com forward slash T-G-O-G when you subscribe to a six or 12 month plan. Wow. Oh my God. Do we have time to, we wanted to have our friend. I think we got a few minutes. So in Nashville, our friend Marissa, who we reference all the time on the podcast, our most Mm -hmm. haunted friend, she's here. And so we would love to invite her up to tell a couple of her stories. Marissa. Welcome. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. Do you want here we go. Do you want to sit here and I'll be on the Do you want us to both should we all the... stand to make her feel comfortable? No, no there's a stool. I need a pick. Okay. Hello. Never mind. I feel like this is like very musician of me. 
Yeah, I'm going to sing us a ballad. She's here. Marissa does have a beautiful voice. Give me a tune. Um, Hi, guys. Celine Dion. (laughs) Boo. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) I guess I should just jump into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have had experiences since I was a small little babe. So my first one where my parents were like, oh, gosh. My dad, I guess he woke up. And I grew up in, like, kind of a haunted house. Not kind of, definitely haunted. Um, he woke up in the middle of the night and heard like little baby Marissa like chit-chatting at like in the wee hours of the morning. And he went down the long hallway to investigate. And he said that I was just sitting straight up in bed with my eyes open, but I was clearly asleep. And I was just speaking to like something in front of me. And he, this is all him and my mom, but I guess he ran back into my parents' room and was like we need to put a damn cross in that girl's room. (laughs) There was a cross that got hung up the next day. Um, That house has, there's been tons of things, and I actually just recently um, reconfirmed with my mom that I didn't make up these stories in my head when I was little. But um, there was one instance in particular where my mom was home alone. Um, My sister and I were both at school. She was getting ready, and all her makeup was on the counter, put everything away, went downstairs to go do stuff and came back upstairs and all the cabinets in her bathroom were wide open and her makeup was all back on the countertops. Um, There's been experiences with my dog. You kept talking about Pearl and I have a really old pug (laughs) named Pearl. Pearl is the best. Pearl doesn't know how to bark. She just screams. screams. (laughs) She goes... (laughs) That's literally the noise that comes out of this like five pound pug. Little thing, yeah. (laughs) She... um, refuses to cross the hallway and she'll sit in the hallway and just stare up at the ceiling because we have really high ceilings in the house. Um, so that was all. There's many more. There's a clock that goes backwards in October. We have a crystal oh. clock. The man, unfortunately, who lived before us in the house, he passed away. So that's why his family moved out. And we think that he passed away in October because there's one particular clock that sits on the piano that would go counterclockwise in October. The whole and then month? The whole month of October yeah. and then just go normal again and they've like brought it yeah we brought it to live in the haunted mansion yeah we brought it to a clock uh fixer i don't know what they're called (laughs) that profession i don't know um but he was like there's nothing wrong with this so i would just take the battery out if it's freaking you out so oh my god that's what we ended up doing Um, and i was held down in marissa's bedroom yeah Yeah, i went and dropped off some friends who um were i don't know i don't know what we were doing but but i left her at my house and i came back and she had moved from one room that was my room when i was a child and was talking to the walls so she was in there on the couch and i came back and she was in my bedroom and i was like oh what happened i was fucking held down that's what happened (laughs) that i heard like a weird like by my ear and then all of a sudden i was just paralyzed and i wasn't asleep it wasn't sleep paralysis i was literally being held down like my chest and then they couldn't hear anything either because it was like something was making all of this like around my head and holding me down and i was stuck for like five minutes and i was dripping sweat when marissa came back i was like your house is fucking haunted i was like news to me um and then it followed me to college where we all met um corinne and i have been roommates or had been roommates freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived across the hall from each other freshman year. I always had very vivid sleep paralysis episodes. Yeah. So beads scary. clattering against things. Uh, yeah. Sophomore year, we had a guest in our dorm that constantly targeted me and my technology, um, sending out text messages, stuff like that. But the thing that, like, I have never been scared before until... The, well, that's a lie. I was a scaredy cat of things. <laughs> but, like, paranormal-wise, um, when we lived in a house our junior, senior year... Um, 
My bedroom was upstairs. We had a very weird layout. There was a bunch of bedrooms downstairs, the kitchen, the living room, and the master bedroom were upstairs. Um, another roommate of ours, Brianna, and I lived in the master bedroom. I was getting ready in there while all of them were out in the dining room hanging out. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this like dark, small little figure like zoom past the, the door into the bedroom. So I kind of was like, hmm, that didn't feel good. Like dark feelings come over. Like it just wasn't cool. So I walked into the um, the room to see if maybe someone had like ran in. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. really weird. I kept it to myself. It really scared me. I kept it to myself that night. We went out, did whatever. Corinne and I were in the car the next day and I couldn't keep it in. And I was like, Corinne, I have to tell you something. And she was like, you saw it. And I was like, I saw it. And she was like, what? oh my God. Yeah. She was like, was it a little dark figure? And I was like, it was the little dark figure. I'm and then, so glad I did not live with you oh guys. I know. <laughs> well, was, because uh, the rest of our roommates, so we lived technically in a brothel because in the town that we lived in, if you had more than six women in a house, it was a brothel and we had seven. So we yeah. were in a brothel. Um, but our top floor, which is where the master bedroom was, was all big glass windows on all like sides nope. of the house. And when I was walking through for the month prior to Marissa having this experience, when I'd walk through at night, I would see in the reflection a dark little shadow person running through the house. And I was like, don't look at it. Don't tell anyone. Everyone's going to freak out. Brianna's going to be like doing the rosary every five seconds. (laughs) Like, just don't freak anyone out. So I didn't say anything. And then when you. And then from that point on, it was like latched onto me. All these little things started to happen. Um... Uh, we were studying one night with our friend Mike was over and I looked at my phone and there was a text that was typed out to my mom and it wasn't in English and we like looked up a translator and we're like what does this word mean and it translated roughly to cluster of freckles and I have this cluster of freckles I don't know if you can see it on my arm and it was like coincidence yeah whatever so that was like one of the few things and then Mm -hmm. I got home one night um, she was with her friend and I was driving my friend's car and she's our friend Brianna, our other roommate, she's, she's very, very religious. religious. So she had a religious keychain and I went to unlock the door and that particular only that one completely came off the keys, but there was no missing loop or hinge there was or no anything. Link. It just it somehow just snapped off of disconnected. the keys. And so I came in crying because <laughs> I was like, it has me. Yeah, she goes, Hello. Yeah. Oh my God. yeah. Thank God we were home. Yeah. But then yeah. you're missing one of the parts which you were in the master bedroom bathroom and you think it was the dark figure. Your head got pushed pushed towards the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I got touched. Uh. There's just, yeah, it was constant. And then past that, I have really gnarly sleep paralysis, aliens in particular, which is very Yeah. We read one of your stories on the podcast. Yeah. I have very, very vivid abduction. Um, but I don't actually get abducted. It's always just like I open my eyes and I they're in the corner. Or, or they're like near the bed. You might not know you've been yeah, abducted. Maybe your mind yeah, maybe you're just convinced that I've actually gotten abducted. But. For sure. <laughs> you're super targeted. I'm super targeted. But so far, nothing has happened. Um, we think it's because both my grandparents or my grandfathers on both sides of my family have passed away. 
um, recently. And once my grandfather on my mom's side passed away, everything stopped. So yeah. we think they're fighting my spiritual battles for yeah. me, which Papa's is really nice. protecting. Yeah. That's really sweet. So, and then Corinne comes and then the light flickers. And I've been <laughs> fine in Nashville for the last two years. And now I'm like, I'm going to go home tonight and be like, oh. And the bell witch <laughs> will be there. <laughs> and now the bell witch cape dust is all on yeah. the floors from our shoes. Yeah, vacuum. But yeah, there's lots more. But those were the like ones that mm-hmm. I Crazy. pointed out and made me definitely a believer. Nothing really so scares scary. me yeah. anymore. Yeah. Our most haunted friend, Marissa. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Awful bit. I don't know how to turn it off. Um, oh, we had a raffle. We asked people to submit their confirmation to the live shows. And we picked a winner. <laughs> this is so suspenseful. It's like, on it. <laughs> when I got up to pick my wedgie, it uh, landed back on it. Um... Oh, okay. Caitlin Couch. Yay! Um, come stay for the VIP meet and greet, and then we'll we'll get a merch figured out for you. We'll send yeah. it to you. Words. Um, Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you all for coming. Uh, the reason I can't say words is because on my red eye here, I was dealt a demon child on the plane. I sent, Actually, though. Like, I I should post the video on our Facebook page. It it's was a little shaming of the child, but sure. <laughs> but it she sounded possessed. She did the she entire plane ride. It was ah! like, yeah, and then like on the plane, she was like writhing, like writhing on the seat. Like like it took four flight attendants and her father to buckle her in her seat. I don't know how she didn't lose her voice because if you hear the recording, it's like raspy. Like she's using like every of bit her of her vocal box to just unleash whatever yeah. is inside of her. And it lasted the entire plane ride. And then the second we land, and, and like on landing, she was screaming. And then we start to like get off the plane and she's knocked out on her seat. I was like, great. <laughs> yeah. And then you show me a picture of her because you saw yeah. a picture of a strange child. I did. Child. I had I to. Like, oh I had to show God, you. That looks just like my cousin. And for a minute, we literally thought it was my cousin. I was like, oh, I've talked so much shit at this kid. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. But yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. Yeah, Nashville's we appreciate the best. We you love guys. it here. It's so much fun. We'll be back to bull ride and redeem We will. Thank you all for coming. And we will... See you on the other side.